Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Genius Brain listeners, this podcast is brought to you by Hero Bread. Listen, I've talked about Hero Bread a million times over, and I'm telling you right now, they have some of the best guilt-free bread I've ever had in my life, and I'm not just saying that. I'm talking about taste and texture-wise. You, you just can't beat it. Hero Bread has zero to one grams of net carbs, zero gram sugar, and is high in fiber. And guess what? Now it's made with heart-healthy olive oil for an added boost of healthy fats as well. I'm telling you right now, I made a BLT with this, and it was freaking delicious. If I if I eat bread, this is the bread that I'm eating. You guys have to get this. I'm not just saying it's so freaking good. You could do whatever you want with this type of stuff. I mean, they even have burger breads, right? So if you want to make a, a fire ass burger, they got like tortillas too for their if you if you eat breakfast burritos as much as I do, dude. Money. It's so freaking good. Good. It's hard to say which one my favorite stuff is just because like if I'm going to make a wrap or I'm going to do any type of sandwich of any sort, I'm going to use Hero Bread because I get to eat without all the guilt and it's literally my favorite. So genius brain listeners, do not miss out on this. Make sure you get Hero Bread. You will not regret it. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order for their new recipe. Go to Hero dot co and use code genius 10 at checkout that's g-e-n-i-u-s one zero at hero dot co only four percent of universities in the u.s are r1 research institutions and temple university is one of them this means 100 percent of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty with over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. The great thing about this space is that there's no red tape here. If I have an idea that I want to shoot, I can just fucking do it. It just takes time. Yeah. You know, this takes my personal time. Yeah. There's, I mean, generally, once you have the equipment, after that, your overhead's already paid for once you start making money. I even think about, like, even you mentioned, like, there's there's a lot of content that you don't like that's on YouTube. But, like, the fact that it's free and available for somebody to put that content out is important. Yeah. Because it allows for... In 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, what's up, everybody? Welcome to a, another episode of the Genius Brain Podcast. How are y'all doing today? If this is your first time... uh 
uh, listening in just to let you know you either might love me, you might hate me, but you're still listening, you stupid bitch. And today we got a very special guest. Listen, you guys know I've been on this like really interesting tip of um, bringing a lot of people that you guys don't know, um, especially in my world. And I'll tell you right now, the person that you're about to see once I flip the camera back onto him is somebody I haven't seen in 10 fucking years, yeah, man. bro. <laughs> 10 plus fucking years. And I know I talk a lot about where I'm from, like Sacramento. Is a, it's a town that I, I'm super proud of. Like, I, I feel like a lot of people don't understand the level of like artistry and talent that comes out of this city. Uh, and definitely Brandon here is, is one of those people. Now, I mean, do you still go by sushi? Yeah, I do. <laughs> Let's fucking <laughs> go, baby. Which is nuts, man. So- I've been bringing on a lot of artists, whether it's stand-up comics or just anybody that I really, really fuck with. Mm -hmm. and, and I was just telling him that the people that were connected with like loosely is how I found him again because uh, I follow uh, Rudy Raynon. If you guys know him from uh, Quest Crew, he's a dancer, also a musician, also from Sacramento. Yep. And years ago, this motherfucker's account got hacked <laughs> and he just kept spamming bullshit to me. So I blocked his dumb ass. I was like, you're done. Lo and behold, got his account back. Still see that he's doing music. He was doing music with Phil. And then I see this motherfucker's face. <laughs> and I'm like, well, what the fuck has this guy been up to? So years ago in Sacramento, I actually started off as a fucking musician. I wanted to do music. And there was this whole like scene in Sacramento where like, I feel a lot of these like indie artists were popping up, right? Yeah, for sure. When it came to music, whether it was dance or whatever type of art. And then this motherfucker was also a part of the scene. And he is- and was a rapper. Yes. And I was like, what the fuck is Sush been up to? <laughs> and you know what? The reason why I brought you on this pod was because I, I read a post on your Instagram where um, I didn't know that music wasn't your main focus for a while. You wanted to start getting back into it. Yeah. Which for me was kind of like, I've been kind of going through that same thing. And it's a little hard for me to hear sometimes, specifically because for somebody like you, like to me, you were one of the most talented people that I met at the time. And so when I hear somebody who I personally feel is like somebody that I champion go, I haven't been back on my craft. I started to think, what the fuck has this guy been up to? Like, what have you been going through to feel like you haven't pursued your talent that I, that I and a lot of people around you really feel like this is your thing? You mm. know? Well, it's interesting because I already kind of like gave you like a little bit of like trinkling in on some of those things as we were kind of like stepping in here. But the a lot of it had to do with Around 2012, 2013, I stepped into a completely different realm of music that I was not prepared for, I don't think. Um, especially because when you met me, it was at the height of this underground hip hop scene that was taking over. This is at like the beginning of when Odd Future was going on. This is when all of the blog era rap stuff was happening. And so there was almost like this rallying cry against radio Mm -mm, especially mm -mm. from Sacramento's hip hop scene and a lot of California's hip hop scene at the time. Um, and so during that time frame, I ended up working in radio, which was really weird. How weird is that shit? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> fuck radio. What do you do? I work for radio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the thing that was kind of cool about that too, was even when I got hired at the radio station, I didn't get like the hate on that side of it, which yeah. it could have definitely felt like that. But instead the whole community rallied behind it. Like, yo, one of us got in. Mm, it was like mm, a, mm. almost like an infiltration kind of thing. But during that time frame, 
I started really putting all of my creative energy into radio because it was my way of having this nostalgic feel of what it was like for me to listen to those radio stations growing it up because mm-hmm. I was working at the station that I grew up as the that I grew up with as the hip hop station in Sacramento. It was formerly 103.5 The Bomb, which- Which is not anymore. <laughs> which it's not anymore. It's also not Hot 103.5, which it was when I was there. Oh, what is it now? It's uh, Fuego 101.9. What the fuck? <laughs> so in Sacramento, there was like two stations, 102.5 and 103.5. Yeah. And that's where you would hear either it, it's like the pop shit or hip hop shit. And that's about it. Yeah. And people would always go back and forth from those two stations. Yeah. And when I had gotten to 103.5, it had, shipped, it had shifted- into a full-on pop station for a little bit. And their logo looked like a ripoff of the Hostess logo. It was Really, bad. get the fuck out of here. It was bad, bro. Why? <laughs> Why did they do that? Because they burnt out during the hyphy movement. So when <laughs> hyphy was getting really big in Northern California, being, for those who don't know what hyphy is, it is the Northern California staple of party music. And it was this entire, it, and outside of the music, it became a whole culture throughout Northern California. Um, and the program director at that station went too hard on it and scared away all of the investors and ad folks. Mm. And so when that happened, they had to figure out a brand new plan and they cut it and turn it into a pop station. What the fuck? Yo, that hyphy movement stage was wild. Yeah. Like I remember first hearing like Mac Dre, right? And then when Mac Dre was like on and I was like, I I didn't like it at first. I was like, the fuck is this? (laughs) And then next thing you know, I'm just, I love it. Bro. I feel the exact same way today because, again, I was the backpack rapper kid for so long. Yeah. So then when Hyphy was happening, I was kind of involved in it because I grew up in it in high school. But at the same time, as I was kind of like becoming this quote unquote conscious rapper behind all of that, I was like, I hate all of this. I can't stand (laughs) that people are ruining music like this. Now everybody can make music. And then as the years went by, I kind of started seeing how important it was Mm -mm. because... Songs like Tell Me When to Go and songs like Super Hyphy were this really weird phenomenon in Northern California where I remember going to school dances and Tell Me When to Go would come on and everybody, it didn't matter if it was like a goth kid that sat in the corner during lunch. It didn't matter if it was the kids that are usually out playing basketball together. It didn't matter if it was the group of nerds that ended up playing magic mm-hmm. cards at the lunch tables. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they yeah, were yeah. going stupid in the middle of the dance floor mm-hmm. to tell me when to go. Yeah. And I remember that feeling and how important that was. And when I start, especially now, reflecting on that, that's more important to me than any of the other things I was feeling as what it was doing to or for hip hop at the time. Hey, hey. Whoa. I feel like I'm far beyond patient Running out of time but realizing I'm just stumbling over my own laces Thinking I would get new tricks from old faces And finding out they on new shit, a whole facelift Learning that these so-called friends was just acquaintances Baseless relationships faded when the placements did If I'd have knew better, I would do better Maybe my mistake was putting way too much maintenance in Maybe I'm insane cause I never change Shit, maybe I'm estranged cause I need to Every day I pray for a better day 
And every day the game gets more see-through I made it to the valley of the shadow of death And though I see and hear, I won't speak or fear those evils Bishop told me that's the God in me And if he's God in me, I should never fear those people I've been on my last with a few times since arrival One eye on the prize and the other on survival Nobody's a hot, but everyone's a rival So I'm done catching feelings every time I know I'm lied to I'm on to the next part in the flex When you see me, know that you're looking at art in the flesh Standing far from the rest while I'm manifesting greatness And tasting it will be my mark of success At best, I came here seeking vindication or at the very least reciprocation For the love that I showed at the radio station Instead I got another sign for me to turn over the page then I feel like I've been far beyond patient I'm done stumbling over my own laces My old phase is nothing but closed cases When I'm standing on the top again You'll recognize my face then But at that point I remember when I went to college, right? So music was very separated at the time Like if you were in NorCal you didn't hear NorCal shit in SoCal. It just mm-hmm. wasn't there. And then I just remember out of nowhere, I heard somebody bang like Max Ray. Like when I was in SoCal, I was like, what the fuck do you yeah. know about this shit? But this is when music music started becoming global. Yeah. Right? Where you wouldn't hear like, oh, this style stays here. Everybody, mm-hmm. this is like the moment I specifically remember where I started seeing rappers just start taking a little bit of everybody's influence because of the internet. Yeah. So now you hear like people's like cadence and flow start to change up. It's like, oh, that no longer is like, that's not drill shit anymore. That's everybody's shit. Yeah. Now. And a lot of people kind of hate it. Some people kind of like it, right? I feel like for me, I'm kind of like in between because it allows people to kind of work on their craft in so many different ways. But at the same time, everything just starts to sound the same. Yeah. You know, I think one of the things that I did appreciate though is like when, and I think LA is having that flavor right now where people are really liking, where it's that LA fucking like, Gangster rap shit is starting to come back a little bit. Yeah. And you're st- seeing their style just like back in the day, we had the whole hyphy movement in NorCal and that was our thing. And now a lot of people are like, yo, what's this shit? Oh, that's that Cali rap type of shit. Yeah. And a lot of people are hopping onto it. Yeah. It feels good to see that happen again because I think w- even like feeding off of the same thing of just like the fact that so much music was just kind of neutral for so long. It was kind of cool that that was happening because it meant that anybody from anywhere could pick up any style. But at the same time, it made people also kind of be a little bit more nostalgic to what those regional sounds were like because that was almost the only place where those regional phenomenons were happening is when you go down that rabbit hole of nostalgia Mm -hmm, with all mm -hmm. of that. And so now that anybody and everybody does it, it's kind of cool that there's that blurred line where, you know, somebody like Wiz Khalifa was out on out in uh, Pittsburgh making music that sounded <laughs> yeah, like yeah. he was working with Snoop the whole time. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It was perfect. It was a perfect blend of that. And I think and I thought that was a really cool phenomenon to happen. Yeah, man. Like, it, it's weird where, you know, I wonder if like for you, especially because you're a rapper, like, do you ever get into this space where you start thinking like, Cause I always hear this conversation when a new artist comes out, they go, Oh, this motherfucker, like he can't rap. Mm. And like my definition of that started changing a lot. Right. Or, well, I think like objectively speaking, right. There's some of these newer, like, for example, like, uh, it's not called Lil Yachty. He's called what Lil Boat now. Now he's a little old. <laughs> yeah. Right. I objectively think he cannot rap. Right. As a, in, in the terms of him being a musician, but now like that definition of what a of a good rapper is has changed, mm. right? Like it's, you don't have to be a lyricist anymore. You don't yeah. have to do this type of stuff. But I remember like it was the, uh, 
it was a cipher that he was in. It was like, it was like, like <laughs> yeah, dude, that yes, shit. I remember that man, bro. <laughs> it was like the freshman, the freshman XL or whatever. That shit made me laugh so fucking hard. And then I thought everybody was laughing with me. And then I read the comments. They're like, see, they can rap. I'm like, wait, hold on a second. <laughs> I thought, I thought we were all on the same page. Like I thought we were on the page that they can't <laughs> rap. And I'm not saying they can't make good music. Yeah. Those are two separate things, you know? And I, that's how I see it. Cause it's not like I don't enjoy that shit. It's yeah. not like if it's not bumping at the club, I'm not fucking, you know, enjoying it. I thought that there was two separate categories, but I think like, you know, sometimes when people say words like, oh, this motherfucker is like a, a lyrical, like conscious rapper. It's almost like a diss now. Yeah. I'm like, how is that offensive? Like, I, I feel like I'm old and shit. You know what I mean? I'm <laughs> yeah. like becoming an old head. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I kind of was feeling that way too. And it was it was kind of scary when I started really thinking about the music that I was consuming because I was like, damn, bro, I think there's a lot of people who are really dope, but I'm just starting to realize I have no idea what they're talking about right yeah. now. <laughs> 100%. Like I was uh, I was listening, me, me and a homie were listening to Smino one day and we realized, hey, bro. I still have absolutely no idea what he's saying <laughs> in this music, but he's dope to me somehow. <laughs> Man, there, there are some times like I'll, I'll hear a line and I'm like, and then I'll look around to see how other people react. And then I'll see like a younger crowd. And I feel like even they know that shit wasn't fucking bars. But yeah. because they're looking around to see if other people feel it, they'll say it's bars. Yeah. And, you know, I said this too, or some people got really upset and I don't give a fuck. <laughs> untalented people like to champion other untalented people because you want to be in their place. Mm. And it's, sometimes it's hard for me to like, look at that shit, right? Because they'll know it's trash, but because they're like, well, he's trash. I know I'm not that good. But if I say that it's good, then I could also be a part of this elite group because now we get to decide what's dope, even yeah. if it isn't, right? Objectively speaking. Well, it can't be objective, but in my mind, it's objective anyways. But that's why. That's how I feel about like TikTok. It's like TikTok is the app for uncreative people to pretend, pretend that they're creative. Yeah. Right. So they look for something that somebody else does. They steal it, and they don't even recreate it at all. And then they get the views for it, and they get that endorphin rush from being a creative. Yeah. Without having to be creative. It's scary on that end as well because the thing that I've been seeing lately is now people are doing exactly that. They're taking what has already been done. And then figuring out ways to do the exact same thing, but figure out what the next level up is. And then you see that it turns into, so first we were doing it in our bedroom and now we're doing it at this person's concert. And that's where Steve Lacey is in this really weird, have you seen what's happening with that? With, mm -mm. with Steve Lacey's tour? So basically Steve Lacey has been going on tour and every, every show stop is sold out. But, a large percentage don't know any of the music except for this snippet from TikTok. Oh, shit. And then he'll perform that song. They'll sing the hook. And then the second verse comes on. Nothing. Dead silent. And he's even gotten Yo. to the point where he's trolling the crowd about it. Where he's said things like, all right, go ahead. Sing the next verse. Ha, you don't know it. And then just move on. How does that feel as a fucking artist? Bro. Though? That shit must be demoralizing as fuck. Yeah. And it's because people aren't really oh, there for shit. the artist, it feels like, anymore. They're there for themselves. Huh. Yo, that's so trippy because, like, I wonder how that makes him feel. 
right? Yeah. Somebody who's out there that in his mind, he goes, I create dope shit. But the only thing people want to see is like, oh, I know this TikTok song. Mm. And he puts out his whole discography and they don't know a single fucking word. You know, this is what happens though. Like when you have fast content, fast content isn't longevity. Yeah. You know, like you create, I, I think this is, I'm not against these things, but the reason why people, how come you don't do more shorts? How come you don't do these type of things is because people expect to consume your content on, on a 30 minute basis now. Yeah. And if it doesn't hit their endorphins in that first second, they don't care to be invested into it. Like the, the, the era of like long form, long format content aside from podcast, people just want their stuff really quick. When, when you see a lot of like TikTok people, right? Um, and I'm not talking about like the 1% of people who are really successful and people know who they are. There are people on TikTok who have millions and millions of fucking views and people don't know who the fuck they are. Yeah. They literally don't know who the fuck they are. They just go, oh, I enjoyed that video. They give it a like, LOL, and they pass and they move on. So th that, that connection that they have with their fan base and their art are completely fucking separate. Yeah. And that's a great example of it. How the fuck is it that you go to a concert, everything is sold out and they're just waiting for that one little snippet and the rest of the time, they don't know who the fuck you are. Yeah. How? That's fucking trippy. Yeah. And it's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> that's actually terrifying. I think I'd cry on stage. Yeah. It's like you put all your heart, your soul and your effort into this thing, which is dope. Like you blew up on TikTok, which is good. That means people like whatever that you had. Yeah. And then they just don't care about any of your art though. Like, yeah. oh, that's something. Fuck that shit. Go play the TikTok song, man. Damn, that's fucking trippy. Yeah, it's it's actually kind of like the nightmare scenario that has been like the product or like the the plot line for sitcoms and things of that nature about artists like this. We're like, this is the plot line, the nightmare plot line for an artist. Yeah. And it's happening in real time. <laughs> Holy sh You know, I was just talking about this with a friend of mine where I feel like we truly live in an episode of Black Mirror. Like I love that series right yeah and because it's basically kind of foreshadowing what we what they believe or the director or the writers believe it's happening to this world and it seems a little hyperbolic like very extreme but now i don't think so like like when I, every time i see something about kanye i'm like is this real <laughs> like yeah. is he for real right now yeah and then it's not even what he does that shocks me it's how people respond to it that shocks me the most so for example he'll put out a statement and he'll say Listen, I love everybody, right? I even love the Nazis, like Hitler. I love Hitler. I'll say it. I love Nazis. And then people will dissect that and they go, he's saying that as a Christian that he loves everybody. It's like, no shit, bitch. I understand that. It's still inappropriate. And then you'll see people defend that. And this is what I'm talking about. Stupid people will defend other stupid mm. people. You, you know what I'm saying? They yeah. know that what he's saying is inappropriate. And I'll give somebody a great example, right? Let's say, I don't know. Let's say my mom's a fucking raging bitch. Everybody knows in Sacramento, she's the biggest bitch in town, right? But my mom got shot and she got killed yesterday. Would you come up and be like, hey, your mom was a bitch. She deserved it. No, you probably should give me your condolences, right? Yeah, it's true. She was a fucking bitch. Inappropriate though. People are forgetting about, I, I wonder if like, because the internet, people are forgetting the social aspect of what it is to be a fucking human being. Yeah. And so when they look at somebody like Kanye, when he says these public statements, Nobody ever stops and says, okay, not nobody, but there's a group of people that don't understand that they go, well, what's wrong with him saying that he loves everybody? It's like, dude, okay, you're fucking ugly. What if I just came up to you and was like, dude, that face of yours, trash. <laughs> it's true. You know what I mean? You look like trash, but should I have said it? 
probably not ugly. You know what I mean? Yeah. But people don't like to flip these rules on themselves. Right. Every, these rules only apply to everybody else but me. Yeah. Man, dude, when you told me that fucking music thing, that shit blows my mind, man. Yeah. Like, that's a, a, a legit nightmare for me. Yeah. It's, it's honestly something that I've been seeing more and more lately where there's, it's almost like this also sense of entitlement that's coming from that audience as well. Um, I went to another show where it was a more mildly known artist that was performing and it was a lot of club music. So there's all these joints that a lot of the kids that were there, they knew all the music. They knew every song when it started. And there was this very weird thing that made me feel like taking a year and a half off really uh, lost the etiquette for a lot of people because mm. they didn't get to experience a lot of that. And also we're at this point where people don't really care about what's happening in real life because so much cool shit happened on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there was this point where at this show, this, this artist was performing and every song at the very start of it, the crowd would get super hyped because they recognize the, recognize the beat to the song. They would rap along through the hook and they would party with them and then the song would end and it would go dead silent waiting for the next song. Then the next song would start and the exact same thing would happen and it cycled through the entire 30 minute set. What the fuck? Do they not even know how to party anymore? Bro, that this was in it was so weird for even him that his nervous tick was after every song and he realized that would happen, he would walk back and talk to the DJ. Oh my god, dude. <laughs> like, he doesn't even know performance etiquette. <laughs> but he didn't know what to do yeah. at this point. Like he was trying to get them hype. He said, make some noise for yourselves, and nobody made noise, bro. Jesus Christ, man. So the nervous tick happened when, like, yo, the normal shit's not working right now. None of it. And he was still super kind about the whole set, too. Like he wasn't rude to the audience or anything after experiencing that because he's still getting the hype. But then it was almost like as you get to the end of the song, you start dreading that the song's about to be over. Oh my God, dude. I can't even imagine. Yeah. Dude, this is why like sometimes when I go to like independent artist shit, like I really fuck with it because if you're an independent artist that's pulling in like 300 to 200 people, yeah. you know those people fuck with you heavy. Yeah. And everybody's there to like have a good time. And that's what I, you know, when I saw like clips of, you know, for example, uh, who was it? Was it The Weeknd or was it Franco? Who the fuck was it that got a water bottle thrown at? It was uh, Kid Cudi. Kid Cudi at Rolling Loud. Bro, that shit pissed me off so bad. Yeah. That shit actually made my blood boil, man. Yeah. Like, Kid Cudi deserves respect. And then they would have the audacity to throw water bottles at him as he's performing. Yeah. And they get mad at him for walking off stage. Like <laughs> There have been a couple of really bad moments like that, too. Like, where uh, there was the year at Camp Flogna that the fans had started a rumor that Frank Ocean was going to be the special guest, but the special guest was Drake and they booed him off stage. <laughs> what like, the what? fuck? Are you insane? <laughs> That's fucking crazy to me. That's why I wonder too. It's like, how do people consume content now? Like, you know, when, you know, when we were growing up, like remember when we would get music, right? Mm. Before anybody did a review on an album, they would have to sit through the fucking album. Yeah. You would sit through it from track to track to track and listen to the whole compilation because yeah. every album has a fucking story. It's never just a single. Everything builds up to it. You have to listen from track one all the way through 12, 13, 14. Now people will just pick a song out. They'll listen to it halfway. 
that's fucking fire. Move on to the next one. Yeah. It's like, damn, man. Like the way people consume your content now, it's so quick and it's very defeating for an artist. Like, I think that's why a lot of people moved away from the model of making albums. They just do singles now. They're, they're not going to even listen to the whole fucking album. Well, even like it at the time when like the blogs and stuff were doing all of this too, right? They were, that was where a big shift started to happen even in the way that the sources and resources were listening to music because instead of giving it time and having a really well thought out and well listened review to an album, every blog started doing the first listen review so that they could have the first post about the album up. Yo, that's big facts. And then that gradually shifted even further into just the way that it's consumed now where it's like, I remember I was talking to John Hart a while ago. So this was like, this was the cool thing that I got out of working in radio was that when I got to sit with artists, I got to approach that from the artist standpoint. And I remember sitting with John Hart who did Who Booty. That was his big single with, he had the I Am Sue version. He had a French Montana version that all did big numbers. And when he came back, to making music, he had a single that was kind of bubbling a little bit. And this is years later. And he said, bro, I felt like I came out to a completely different world (laughs) because when we dropped Who Booty, we were working that song for a year to a year and a half. And now when you drop a single, you got to have the next one in two weeks. Yeah. Or you got to be pushing two singles at the same time. Yeah. To see it work. And so the attention span has shifted so much. This is this is like kind of why I, uh, for me too, as somebody who was creating so much like YouTube content and why it's hard for me now. It's mm-hmm. like, I, I think I'm very fortunate because I started YouTube a lot earlier. So my fan base now who fucks with me, they fuck with me very heavy. Yeah. Right? So what I put out, what I do, they support 100% and they wait for it. But that's because I started in a different era. Now it's like, You'll put out a video for two weeks or you won't put out two. They'll forget you like that. And with these like quick content creators, they always have to apologize. I'm sorry I didn't put out content. I'm sorry I didn't put out content. It's like, do you understand that when you're a YouTuber and you're putting out five fucking videos a week and you miss one, it's like you're doing a TV show that doesn't have like a weekly runtime. It's fucking every day. And then that's what you have to run on. And then you have to do Instagram. You have to create separate content for Instagram and be entertaining on that. Oh, by the way, do TikTok. Hey, be funny on Twitter as well, right? Yeah. And then go back to YouTube and do it all over again. Then you have to, oh, then you know what? Hey, do Twitch. Like, fuck, man. (laughs) Yeah, bro. You're always on. And for me, I got overwhelmed with this type of shit. Like I got overwhelmed with like trying to create content for so many different avenues because people will forget you the next day. Yeah. It's kind of unreal. And I saw it on Instagram too, where it's like, I wouldn't post for like two weeks, right? And Instagram too wasn't a content place for me. It was literally a landing page for people who could see stuff outside of the content I was creating. Mm -hmm. But now because Instagram is obviously owned by Facebook, it's all about monetization. If you don't do things that that are able to be monetized, it's not even visible anymore. Instagram used to be about pictures. Yeah. Fuck pictures now. It has to be reels. Yeah. I can't even post it. Nobody will see the photos if I post a photo. Yeah. But they will see that reel though, which is fucking nuts. And I think like now that the landing page of Instagram has become this app where it's not, hey, what's what's Brandon up to? What's Sushi up to? Ah, I don't care. He's not posting content. 
Like you have to be extra now. You have to show out. Yeah. How many channels have we seen of somebody just walk around with a fucking mic? Hey, what would you do if you want if 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 I told you to suck my dick? Hey, hey, what would you? Hey, when did you lose your virginity? Oh, I can't believe he asked her if he lost his virginity. <laughs> like, fuck out of here, you dumb bitch. Like, dude, your content fucking is ass, right? And you'll see this shit too. They'll create this content, and yeah. every new content creator that I've seen, and everybody knows this too. You blow up for about a year or two and then you disappear. What happens? You get burnt out because you're creating content not even for yourself. You're creating it for, for likes and views. And that shit eats away at you every yeah. day. Yeah. I know content creators who like literally look at their phone and they go, oh, fuck, I lost like 10 subscribers. Oh, shit, what do I do to get them back? Like, bro, what about what you create? What about the longevity? And I could say this. I've been on this space now for 10 plus years and I still make a living off of this shit. Yeah. A lot of people don't last that long. And I've seen people go through psychosis breaks. I've seen people like end up in like psych wards, which is so crazy. And they go like, I have no friends. It's like, that's your fault, bro. You did everything you could to build a business off of what everybody said about you, but you never cared about what you created. Right. So where was the longevity in that? Yeah. People's opinions about you change every fucking day. Yeah. Ain't nobody knows I was feeling low. Hey, but I'm up right now. Hey, I took the heart away trying to be number one. But now I'm feeling like the man again. Like all my bitches fresher than I get a clue, mannequin. Listen to the fans and then became my own mannequin. Figured it was time for me to revisit the plan since the labels try to use me. Girls try to seduce me. And all of these producers all try to overproduce me. I sounded better when all of my loops was fruity. Around the same time that Rudy was still calling himself Rufio. Causes for studios. Really no groupie hoes. But still had the ratchets and go-go dances at sushi shows. Letting the booty show that everyone is sushi know. But swear up. And down on their lives, they wasn't groupies though Okay, whatever you say The same bottle rats are in for Rosé and Duce But I digress before I start up Guadalupe I really just want my golden age to make it to the new wave That 2009, when everything was grind Hella crews in my city were on the verge of getting signed Maybe it wasn't time, but it still remains on my mind It's about time our city climbs on something other than a crime rate And lead a mind state that just to shine You gotta eat up off of my plate It drives me irate for peace of mind, you jockin' a peace of mind I'd rather put on for mine and eat with my grace Word to the suspects, the watch gang and FHOD Without the crews that kept me grounded, you would never know me If it was on my own accord, I would've kept it low-key And I would've never had that drive till I accepted those keys But since we planted those seeds, just take a look at what we be on I'm on the radio, prime time like I'm Dion Buzzing to infinity, but feeling like I'm beyond I'm light years ahead of what we on I think that was where... For me, that a lot of that break from the craft of creating for myself became more important again more recently because I spent so much time and I actually got a speech from one of my closest friends and now roommate. He was like, bro, everything that you've done in the past that has made big waves has always been an accessory to somebody else. Like you've been doing this to aid the radio station. You've been doing this to put on for this person. You've been doing this to expand somebody else's brand. But when you put that effort into yours, that is when you're going to see all of these, all of the fruits of your labor. Because right now you are taking what 
you think everybody wants of you, but not doing anything that's creative for you. And when you give yourself to people, that's when they'll become a part of your tribe and of your community. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to worry about any of that or, or any of that burnout because you're not burning yourself out. You're feeding yourself and people are now consuming that. Well, here's the thing too. Like I, I know what that feels like because I, I, I had a moment too where, so years ago I was a part of this channel called Just Kidding News, right? Mm-hmm. And we were, we were killing on that shit. Like we were stacking money. Like it was crazy, dude. It was, it was a fun ride. What I found out and the reason why I stopped doing that was because, and you'll see a lot of people do this too when they work for bigger companies. It's very easy to be a boss and say things very like poignantly and be very confident when you're fucking around with somebody else's money. Yeah. (laughs) You know, because you could place the blame and you could place all this personal responsibility onto something else. So for me, when I was a part of Just Kidding News, I got very comfortable because a paycheck was coming in. I came in, I did my funny part. The bosses, uh, Bart and Joe, they would run their shit. And I did that thing for damn near like fucking eight years. I started getting too comfortable with relying my success, making my success a part of somebody else's. Mm-hmm. Instead of just being like, okay, let me just bet on myself. And it was scary because that paycheck was gone now. And I was like, well, now you got to fucking work. And then when I did, that's when I booked this Netflix show. That's when I booked this like short film. I started doing other big things because I took a chance on myself. Yeah. I started putting that same amount of effort that I did into somebody else's company and somebody else's work. And I put it back here and it worked. But it's such a scary fucking thing because now you're personally responsible for whether you sink or whether you float. Yeah. And that is frightening, man. Because you're going to find out if you're full of shit or not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? for sure, bro. There are those moments where like you have to really bet on your own accountability. And without anybody, like every once in a while, there's going to be that empty space where everybody around you is busy and they're not going to be there to hold you accountable for what you're doing, even if they support what you're doing. So you have to be able to push that forward. And I've realized that very, I realized it very quickly as a lot of the lockdown was happening and we were all, as far as like DJs and and artists were making our transition to doing live streaming stuff. I was finding all the ways I could to allow myself to be creative in that format and be as consistent as possible in that format with the amount of free time that I ridiculously had at the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. And because of that, I started seeing the fruits of that labor show. And it also made me realize how much hard work goes into building my own craft and how much I care about it. I I saw how much I cared by how much time I was spending in really mastering some of those things. So when I got on Twitch, it was right as I had lost my job in radio, the lockdown started. And I transitioned everything into doing a Twitch radio show. How'd you lose your job at radio? It was a big budget cut that happened all over the entire corporation. And they cut time slots. So anybody Uh, who was doing a night show at the time, gone. Oh, shit. And I was the night show guy. Genius Brain listeners, this podcast is brought to you by Hero Bread. Listen. I've talked about Hero Bread a million times over, and I'm telling you right now, they have some of the best guilt-free bread I've ever had in my life, and I'm not just saying that. I'm talking about taste and texture-wise. You you just can't beat it. Hero Bread has zero to one grams of net carbs, zero gram sugar, and is high in fiber. And guess what? Now it's made with heart-healthy olive oil for an added boost of healthy fats as well. I'm telling you right now, 
I made a BLT with this and it was freaking delicious. If I, if I eat bread, this is the bread that I'm eating. You guys have to get this. I'm not just saying it's so freaking good. You could do whatever you want with this type of stuff. I mean, they even have burger breads, right? So if you want to make a, a fire ass burger, they got like tortillas too for their, if you, if you eat breakfast burritos as much as I do, dude, money. It's so freaking good. It's hard to say which one of my favorite stuff is just because like, if I'm going to make a wrap or I'm going to do any type of sandwich of any sort, I'm going to use hero bread because I get to eat without all the guilt and it's literally my favorite. So genius brain listeners, do not miss out on this. Make sure you get Hero Bread. You will not regret it. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order for their new recipe. Go to hero.co and use code genius10 at checkout. That's G-E-N-I-U-S-1-0 at hero.co. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Damn. Yeah. That's trippy, man. Like, how, how does that... Was that transition kind of scary for you? It was very scary. Yeah. But it wasn't the first time. Mm-hmm. The first time, though, it was at Hot 103.5. And there was a big budget cut after one of the other companies had actually filed for bankruptcy. This Our corporation got scared and made budget cuts all over the corporation. And they dropped everybody in the morning shows and everybody in the night shows at the same time. And all of our mix show DJs. Damn. That week, though, the opposing radio station saw it as an opportunity to rebrand. So they blew out their entire staff and started calling new people. And they found out I was free and they called me. Oh, shit. But this time when it happened at that station after falling, I guess, falling up, when this one happened, it was a lot scarier because there wasn't another opposing place for me to go that saw what I was doing. This meant that it was time for me to start grinding and out on my own. Yeah. And so I transitioned that into, we always had this dream when we were working at Hot 103.5 that 
we would be able to do a show where we filmed it and had our whole day turn into a basically like a reality show around the radio station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, bro, there's a format that we can do this in now yeah. because everybody's <laughs> learning how to use OBS and do the whole Twitch thing and live stream it out. And I started figuring out how to set up multiple cameras in my apartment. I had angles going in every which way in this loft apartment in SAC that looked really dope. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, dude, I can do my full radio show that I was just doing, but now have all the cameras on it that we always dreamed of. I learned how to have Discord patched into my DJ controller so I could take phone calls and I would like have That's people amazing. call in and do segments and things like that. And so it was like, all right, now let's see how much further I can take this. So I started learning how to do more graphic design stuff so that I could design the way the entire stream looked from top to bottom, doing ads. I did like commercials for everybody and I would shoot them out to all my other streamer friends and have them show the commercial during their stream so they knew when mine was. That's dope. <laughs> I was figuring out ways to take everything I had learned from radio and now step it up a notch because I'm basically building a resume at this point. Damn, that's amazing. And you still stream right now. I have taken a break from it because I was working on all this stuff with okay. MSTR, which is the watch company I've been working with for a bit. Right here. But now. Let's go. Right here. <laughs> My man fucking fucking got me right, right here. Let's go. That's dope, man. Um, But the plan is to be back on a regular schedule with that because we um are having a transition in our house as well, in our apartment where um somebody's moving out. We're having a new roommate come in who does film and video and things like that as well and has also been getting into streaming. Um, and the last iteration of the show, I actually had Rudy on as a special guest and he brought Duckworth with him. Oh, shit, that's dope. Because they had their single favorite out and we did an interview in my living room and they also performed a couple of songs live from the living room. That's fucking amazing. And so it created this whole new energy in the space that was like, all right, we can keep leveling up from here because now I'm doing this in a space that for one is my own, it feels comfortable to be here. And at the same time, it gives me the freedom and the challenge of creating something from the ground up that nobody, there's no FCC behind it. The yeah. only rules are whatever like terms of service are like no nudity and stuff on Twitch and things like that. Yeah. But it was allowing me to really get creative in that space. I think like the dope thing about like being in control of your space and we were talking about this off camera is like, you know, no matter how many projects that I've been in, you know, things that I'm auditioning for or whatever, I always go back to like YouTube mm. because I'll tell you this right now, out of all the spaces that's been available, no matter how much drama that YouTube has gone, like with the ad AdSense issues or whatever. Yeah. I fuck with YouTube the most out of every platform. It really allowed for the independent artists to kind of like create their own way. Yeah. Right. And I don't really like what a lot of the content I see on YouTube now, but still at the same time, like when you start going into a lot of like industry, industry stuff, you are literally at the beck and call of bigger people out there mm. who control your dollar 24 seven. We were talking about that kid, La Russell. He controls his dollar. And then on top of that, he allows people to invest in him and invest into his company. How smart is that shit? Yeah, man. When you become that artist, like, and you really fuck with your own vision and you believe in yourself, there's really nothing that can stop you because it's just a matter of time, right? Yeah. When you develop that product, you develop that art. And like for me too, like I've been going through this whole like imposter syndrome thing where I feel like everything that I've worked for, I don't deserve. So I, you know, will so I'll self-sabotage a little bit, right? Like I'll see an opportunity and I convince myself, I don't want that shit. Yeah. It's not me. 
what is it? It's like, I know it's because I don't, I feel like I don't deserve it. And I'll, I'll, I feel better having somebody else take it because I don't deserve it. So I don't want it anymore. The great thing about this space is that there's no red tape here. If I have an idea that I want to shoot, I could just fucking do it. It just takes time. Yeah. You know, it just takes my personal time. Yeah. There's, I mean, generally once you have the equipment, after that, your overhead's already paid for once you start making money. I even think about like, even you mentioned like there's there's a lot of content that you don't like that's on YouTube, but like the fact that it's free and available for somebody to put that content out is important. Yeah. Because it allows for what you do here and for what we can produce here on our own, you know, free time and with our own free creativity. That's It's important that some of the stuff that we don't like exists. A hundred percent, man. Unfortunately or unfortunately. <laughs> I mean, that's the cool thing about YouTube, man. Like it, it was really, it was kind of like for, I think for people who wanted to be like in television to act and stuff like that. Yeah. It was kind of what like uh, SoundCloud did for the independent artists. Yeah. It's what MySpace did for the independent music artists. And that's what YouTube did for somebody like me who wanted to do like TV and comedy. But um you know, there was a lot of people that weren't really knocking on my door because they didn't believe in me. You know, that's the main reason why I did my own film with my buddy, Justin. It's because these agencies, I will forever remember these agencies. Like, I'm not going to say their fucking names, but they, I, I wanted to uh, act and they're like, oh, we'll sign you to our digital media. I was like, I didn't say I want to be a part of your digital media. I have digital media. I want to go audition. And they're like, we don't need you for that. Cool. Did this film. Next thing you know, those same agencies came back and they're mm -hmm. like, hey, who are you? I was like, I just had a meeting with you six months ago and you told me I wasn't good enough. You want to know what's messed up about that? <laughs> That's exactly how I met Rudy. <laughs> 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 this is this is like MySpace era, right? Yeah, yeah. And this is at the time where hyphy movement is making this big wave and I'm making hyphy music at the time. And Rue at the time is producing for Sacramento's biggest hyphy artist, Blapstar. And he has a couple of these joints out. So I messaged him on MySpace. I was like, hey, I don't remember the terminology. It was probably an up and down case letters. And yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was probably terrible to in retrospect. But I remember I had sent him this message asking him if we could work together because um, I really liked his music. It was dope seeing another Asian in the space as well, especially because it was so not open for that at the time. It, it seemed like there was no diversity within the space at the time. And so I asked him if he would be down to work and he left me on red <laughs> for hella long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I dropped a remix of a Tribe Called Quest song. Uh, it was Find Away by a Tribe Called okay, Quest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I did this random recut of it and it starts making waves and I get this message from Rue and it literally just says, yeah, we could work. And this is like a year later. That's fucking funny. Here's dude. the worst part, bro. So he sends me a beat and me and Chewy get on this beat. And Chewy was an artist oh, that still shit. does, still makes a lot of waves in the underground now. Yo, Chewy, that's so fucking funny, man. Like, I, you know what's hilarious about that shit? I mean, just a real quick sidebar. It's like, I've been talking about Chewy to other people for fucking years, man. Yeah, man. And uh, I remember this one fucking like freestyle shit that he did. It was, you know, that park, that neighborhood with the lake in Sacramento, yep. in Elk Grove. And he was just fucking doing his shit. And that's the shit I used to send to people. I'm like, watch this kid's going to be the next one. Yeah. He's so fucking good. Postmortem by Chewy. Postmortem. That's what it was. Yeah. I was like, this kid. And at the time, how old was he? He was like 16 or 15 years old. Nah, he we were definitely like at, we were probably like 19 at the okay, time. Okay, 19. He was yeah. still a teenager. Yeah, and he I was, was still like, young for sure. What is shit? Dude, what, what kind of fucking talent is this shit? You know what yeah. I mean? So that's so crazy that you mentioned him though. Yeah, we used to call that spot heaven. Oh, that's fucking <laughs> that's what hilarious. it felt like being there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we had gotten on this song. 
And um, finally, Rue wanted to work now. And we got this joint out, had our homie DJ Jun do cuts on it. We put it out. It was a, a band camp release. So it was just like straight to consumer kind of drop. It didn't really do numbers like that. But Rue was excited about hearing like a real hip hop record on one of his joints. So he asked me if I wanted to work on some more stuff and he invited me over to his crib. So more dating myself. I hopped on MapQuest and I put his address in. <laughs> Why does this man live three minutes away from my house, bro? That's fucking funny, dude. <laughs> I rode my scooter to his house that day. That's hilarious. And we started working on music and have been friends ever since. That's fucking funny. <laughs> You know what's so trippy about that too? Like, you know, I have, I have an interesting story where uh, it's a little different from yours, but there's this kid who, uh, he's a, you know, he does like online comedy or whatever, whatnot. And I guess like, he kind of like blew up in his own way, right? And I, I met this kid. Uh, he did a show with me and I didn't know who the fuck he was, right? And he was like, hey, I just want to let you know that uh, like, I really looked up to you. I was like, looked up, you know, past tense. I was like, all right, cool. That's, that's fine. Right, whatever, whatnot, right? Saw him perform a stand-up, it was terrible. And then, I don't know who this kid is. He goes like, like I messaged you years ago and I wanted to collab with you, but you kind of like, you didn't even open it up. And I'm like, I don't read my DMs. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, he goes, yeah. And at the time, you know what the funny thing is? I didn't know about that 99 plus thing on the side. Mm. So there was just a bunch of messages from people. <laughs> Years. My buddy Tim told me about that shit because of uh, fucking T-Pain. And I was like, T-Pain was making, talking about that shit about him, like all these like artists hitting him up. I'm like, what the fuck is he talking about? What is that? And then I didn't know that shit. And then literally all these fucking people were hitting me up. Yo, let's collab, let's collab, let's collab. And I'm talking about three, four years. And I'll be like, yeah, why not? <laughs> you know? And I had no fucking clue. But this kid, he had like a chip on his shoulder and he was like, yeah, I really wanted to collab with you and you didn't even like, you know, bother. I was like, number one, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I never received them, but I did. It was just in the 99 plus. I just didn't <laughs> yeah. know about it at the time because at that point, nobody explained it to me. Yeah. I was like, second of all, I was like, even if I did know who you are, I saw you do stand up. You just bombed. You suck. <laughs> and this kid went dead silent. He was like, uh, uh, I was like, so you've seen all my videos. You don't think that I would say something back to you? I was like, bro, you suck. You fucking suck. I was like, you're an Instagram fucking comedian, bro. You keep your jokes online. Like, get that chip off your shoulder. I was like, your success is your success. And whatever you did, you worked hard to get at it, right? Yeah. I'm saying, now you're over here trying to say like, oh, you know, I got you. I don't know who you are and I still don't know who you fucking are. I would still not pick you out in a fucking crowd, dude. You make these fucking goofy little fucking little Asian jokes on your shit. Cool. I don't give a fuck. People like your stuff, you know, work to your crowd. Yeah. Don't, don't have this chip on your shoulder about me, like, you know, doing what I'm doing. I don't even know you fucking DM me. And then I, you know, when he told me, I finally found it. It was like fucking like four years ago. And this kid, he was like a little kid at the time. So he was like, when he did this, he was like 19. So he was like 15. I was yeah. like, bro, you know, I'm 30. <laughs> what were we going to do? Yeah. You're 14. You're 16 years younger than me, you fucking idiot. Even if you were popping, what the fuck would I talk about with a 14 year old? You dumbass. You just fucking grew pubes. Like the fuck is this kid talking about? Like, it was just like the weirdest thing, like this level of fucking entitlement. Like, listen, anybody who has like remote talent that hits me up, I follow them back immediately because I just want to see what they do. Even if it has nothing to do with me, right? There's this kid who plays like a viola. I don't know who the fuck he is, but he's a fan of mine. And then he commented, I saw like a little checkmark thing. I saw his stuff. He fucking plays that. I don't, I've never 
known anybody to play a viola before, but he's fucking sick. <laughs> and I was like, blip, follow. Right. We're never probably going to do anything together. We have no reason to. Yeah. But I just like watching talented people fucking do their shit. It inspires me. Yeah. Right. It doesn't matter what the, whether it's cooking, whether it's fucking daily vlogging, creating fun content, music, whatever. I just like being inspired by people who create art. Tell me what you want. Tell me what you need. Tell me what you want. I got a lot of that. Tell me what you want. Tell me what you need. Tell me what you want. I got a lot of that. Tell me what you want. Tell me what you need. I got a lot of you. Get it for a fee. Hey, check me out, my name is Zeus I came with the juice I got the drip from my pops down to the shoes Ditching the sauce, been dripping it ever since I was a youth Check the flaws, baby, tell me what it do I know you want a boost, and maybe we can ball till we fall If you got a couple friends, give a call to a mall Let them choose up, if she a fraud, chuck the deuce up The sweet's back with the brooms up So just tell a hater they can fall back Everything they talking is a cap and I've been off that Look, I ain't gotta tell them holler back You know who to call, they already know I'm all of that I got what you want Tell me what you want Tell me what you need Tell me what you want I got a lot of that Tell me what you want Tell me what you need Tell me what you want I got a lot of that And it just makes me want to work harder, you know? Yeah, that's the kind of thing that also kind of like brings me back to the way and what we consume, right? Because it's when when you have something like that that makes you and kind of like gets you inspired to do things, that's the way that we consume things because that's the way I consume things as well. It's a lot of just like, I love going down my algorithm and seeing great graphic design that I can get inspired from or seeing a eight-year-old Japanese kid that DJs way better than all of my friends. Like all of that stuff riles me up. And that's the way that I consume things. I like being inspired by that. There's a group chat that I'm in where there's a couple of people who always, for some reason, just like like sending the links to stuff that just make you mad. Yeah. Like, and you know that <laughs> you know that they intentionally make themselves mad with yeah. the content they consume. And I'm like, well, that's why you're like that, bro. Because you consume content that makes you mad. Mm-hmm. And so. It's there's a lot of that. Porn. I call it trauma porn. Yeah. Like they love that shit. Like whenever the, like something pops off on the, did you see this shit? It's like, no, I didn't see it. I absolutely didn't fucking see it because it's the same shit over and over again. Yeah. You go back to the Kanye thing. I saw him do one crazy thing. I'm done. Yeah. I don't need to go, go ahead and dip back into that fucking well. Yeah. Cause it eats away at me. You know, that's why a lot of people say like when you now, like when you get to a certain point, you just post and you ghost now. Do things for yourself, post, and then ghost and let the people have it. Yeah. Dude, there are fucking like Reddit threads about how trash of a human being I am, right? There are people who are threatening to kill me every fucking day. If I went back to read those Reddit posts, which I have like a few years back, hilarious, by the way. <laughs> Motherfuckers <laughs> hate me, dude. And I'm and I'm always wondering, like, that's like the guy who sends the stuff in the thread to talk about things that they hate about. It's like, <laughs> I can't even remember the stuff that they said now. But it would be like some shit where I remember there's like a, a specific person there that would post every day. And I'm like, what did I do to this person? <laughs> every day. It's bro. like, damn, do you work? Do you have friends? Do you get pussy? Like, what the fuck is going on in your life? There's so many bigger things in life than for you to go on Reddit to talk about this thing that I did today. And it would be like, I would tweet something 
And then immediately, look what this fucking fat <laughs> Korean fuck did. This piece of shit. He thinks he's so much better than people. And then people would turn him below. And Bro, go, daily? Daily. <laughs> and I'm like <laughs> fucking cracking up. I'm like, damn, what did I do? <laughs> What did I do? Like, dude, you need a hug, bro. Bro, for real. That, like, holy yo, that's shit. That's crazy. Doc, every day, every second, and follows me on all my shit. <laughs> like, damn, that's a fan. Yeah. You know, in the worst way possible. But in my mind, I'm thinking like, damn, dude, you need like therapy. Yeah. Like, you got to understand like that hate that you consume becomes a part of you every fucking day. Yeah. I want, that's why even on my Twitter shit, I always block negative shit now. Like the only thing I go on for Twitter is to see fucking Hawaiian people street fight. That's it. I just want to see, I want to see people in Hawaii scrap. That's it. And I just want to see. Wait, wait, wait. Is that like a specific thing that you're getting? It's called 808 scraps. <laughs> and it's my shit. Is, is that why you were out there? <laughs> I, I'm in Hawaii looking for people to fight. Like not for me. I just want to see it happen. Now, I'll tell you this story. Like when I was in Hawaii, this is like my first time in Hawaii. I went to a bar. And I didn't understand what people meant when they said like people in Hawaii are different, right? I think Islanders are just fucking different. They just built different. Mm. And so I was at a bar and I see this dude and this dude comes up and he goes to this other guy. I don't know what the fuck is happening. He just goes, what's up, bro? You got beef, brother? And I'm like, oh, what's going on? I was like, oh, they, sh they fucking exchanging meat? Like the fuck is going on? He's like, yeah, you want beef, brother? We take beef outside, brother. I'm like, Yo, I think these fools are going to scrap. And I'm like, oh, somebody's going to break this up. He goes, guy fucking downs his beer, goes outside. Oh. <laughs> and I'm talking about these two big ass island dudes. Like one, if, they, if that fool socked me, I would be waking up in another universe, dude. Mm. These fools start throwing haymakers. Guy cracks one of them. Guy knocks the dude out, floors him. And I'm sitting here just shocked. I'm clutching my purse at this point. I'm like, <laughs> nobody's stopping this? Like, this is insane, you know? I'm like, shocked. Knocks the dude out. The guy picks him up. The guy's bleeding from his fucking mouth. Takes him to the bar. He goes, we good? You want to squash this? He goes, cool, we good. They get a beer. They drink together to cheers. And that's it. I'm like, damn, people in Hawaii are different, though. That is, that's, that's real that's real grown man energy though. <laughs> that's an ancient warrior type of shit. Yeah. They're like, listen, I fucked you up. We got nothing else to talk about. You want to squash this or we could fucking run it back. Yeah. And they squashed, they moved on. And then people just went back like it was nothing. They weren't even talking about it. Like I was like, you know, kind of hearing like, <laughs> yo, are they going to start talking some shit? And the guy just buys him a beer. They go back. He's like, you squash it good. Hey, so- what you, what you going to get it tomorrow? I'm like, hold on a second. You just knocked that guy's teeth out. Like, what the fuck is going on? But people yeah. in Hawaii, they scrap. And everybody apparently does MMA now. So you don't know what's going to happen. Back in the day, like, I remember, like, when I was scrapped with people, it was just, I wish there was, like, camcorders so I could laugh at myself. Because I bet you I was just, like, wrist curled back. <laughs> you know, screaming, just fucking, you know, thought I was sick with it. But I wasn't really good. But now, like, everybody takes, like, martial arts. So you see people just fucking pop, pop. It's scary out there, <laughs> yeah, man. Bro. Dog, it's fucking fun. I never want to fight anymore. Like, I'm so scared of that shit. Like, I, I box and shit now, but that's within a controlled setting. Like, once it goes out to the streets, I will, I'm not fighting. Like, it's just not happening. There's so many different variables. People can stab you. Like, I have shit to lose now. Now, like, when things, like, escalate, that's why I don't like going out to fucking clubs anymore. Because mm -hmm. shit always escalates for no fucking reason. Yeah. It's scary. You a DJ, bro. <laughs> yeah, trust me, bro. There have been moments where I'm like, damn, should I just go back to doing weddings all the time or what, bro? <laughs> Dog, man, like 
even so I was in Sacramento and I didn't realize like how bad like the the homeless situation got out there. Mm, yeah, it got pretty pretty wild cuz they all all they did was push them out of where they were before, which was out by the river and now they're just in the city everywhere. Every fucking where. Yeah. Like even in like the nice suburbs. Yeah. And so like I was I was in Midtown cuz Sacramento got some fire ass fucking coffee. And so I was getting some coffee and I just walked by and this dude walks up to me. He goes, "You ain't the one, bitch." <laughs> And I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> he goes, yeah, it's not you. You ain't the fucking one. And I, I just, I couldn't process what was going on. I'm like, me? They're like, yeah, you're not the one. It's like, what am I, Jet Li, bitch? Like, what the fuck are you talking about? He goes, you ain't the one, bitch. It's not you. And I just, I was like, okay. And I just walked away. I feel like if I was younger, I probably would have mouthed off. But now I'm thinking this guy might be crazy. Yeah. He might stab me. He might take something from me, dude. I I'm not about any of that type of shit. I'm always the person that's just going to be like, okay, I'm I'm done with this. Like, we're not doing this anymore. Yeah. Like, I remember like being in K-Town and like LA K-Town, like I'm not, I'm sure it's a lot nicer now. 10 years ago, not so much. Like it was, shit was always going down. Like, it's so, like an entertainment district now. Yeah. It's, it's different, dude. Yeah. I've never seen so many white people there in my life. <laughs> I'm like, holy shit. Like, what the fuck are you doing yeah, here? They're all in their boba hunting. Now, yeah. bro. <laughs> they're looking for a fucking Korean pussy, dude. <laughs> and good luck, dude. Korean women are fucking assholes. Shout out to my wife. <laughs> Yo, I told you before we turn this on, if there's anybody who is going to cancel you, it's going to be her, bro. No, she's, she's I look, stupid. <laughs> and I said, no, no, she's great, man. Like, um, it's weird because uh, you get to like this point like in a relationship where I, I never felt this way until like recently where she would be gone for a week and I'm like, I kind of miss this motherfucker, dude. Like, what's she doing? Because <laughs> I was so independent doing my own thing, Yeah, right? Like even when we were dating and we were together, I never missed her like that because I was so focused on doing what I was doing. Once we became married, we really became a unit. Like this is, I mean, we were a unit before, but something about like that marriage part made me feel like she was like, I was the left leg and she's the right leg. Mm. So now like the way that I worry about her is so different. And the way that I talk to her is different now too. Like, for example, like it's when she doesn't take care of herself, I think about like us as a family unit now. Now it's not like, oh, she'll get better. It's like, no, like we're a family. Like you need to worry about your health because mm. now I'm concerned about you and our future. So like the way our relationship has evolved over this past year, uh, past few years has been crazy. Like we, I've talked about on the podcast where even like, pandemic was the thing that almost broke us up because I wasn't used to like, you know, seeing her every day, 24 fucking seven. Yeah. You know, so all those little things that annoyed you, now I had to be with it all day. It's like, oh shit, I fucking hate you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the same thing with her back to me. She hated me and she didn't even know, she didn't even know that she did. It's interesting because I feel like, so a homie of mine actually, um, Jamesy, he used to go by James Cavern. He now goes by Jamesy who is my roommate that's actually going to be moving to Kentucky damn near like next week. Oh, shit. Um, he uh, he wrote a song specifically about that because that experience was so relevant for so many people. And for him, it wasn't even a relationship thing. It was the just him being stuck in a space, even just with roommates at a certain point where that friendship or relationship, because you see them all day, every day, there's something about like, damn, that one thing that I already didn't like is now like a part of my everyday life tenfold. Dog, I, I, I would have thoughts and I would be like, I would wake up and I'm like, I got to look at this fucking face every day. Like, God damn it. 
she'd just be sleeping. I'm just scowling at her like, look at this fucking snoring ass motherfucker. <laughs> just sleeping. Disgusting. Like I, and I couldn't escape her. Like it was impossible. And then, you know, and I started thinking about my parents because they run a business together where it's mm. just them two. And they see each other's face every fucking day. And now we understand why they fought so much. They had nowhere to go. They had to deal with this annoying ass fucking person across from them every fucking day. Yeah. And my mom was like, don't ever do that. She goes like, have two separate lives come together. And, and that's why we have, like, I have this fucking man cave. I have this area for me to be who I am. I don't have to bother her. She gets to do her stuff. And then we come together and we share our moments together. And it's been so much better that way. Yeah. And um, I think a lot of people too, because most of my friends aren't like that. They do everything together with their partner. Mm. If you go out, she goes out. If she goes out, you go out. And so there's, there's no autonomy at all. Uh, she and I are very different. Like Thanksgiving, she wasn't with me. She was out in fucking Europe, in Amsterdam, because she wanted to go on a trip. Yeah. Like, and I wasn't like, well, what about me? I'm like, no, you go enjoy. I'm gonna go to Sacramento. I'm gonna go see my friends. I have a wedding I'm gonna go to. You don't have to come to the wedding with me. Just enjoy yourself. Yeah. And I, I prefer that because I like her having her independence because once we decide to have a kid, our all of our thoughts and everything goes into this child. Right. So- while we have this autonomy, I want her to like really just kind of soak in her independence a lot. Yeah. Because it's not like when you have a kid, it gets taken away. It's just a different chapter, you know? And um, for her and me, like our our identity is very fucking important because I don't want to just lose it one day. Like where I'm trying to scramble, like, who am I? Who am I? What am I? Mm. That shit scares me, man. Because it takes years for us to find, you know, as a musician, how, how hard is it to find your own voice? Yeah. How very. hard is it to find your own style? Dude, even working in radio, it took so long for me to actually like really dive into like what is my identity as a personality on this radio station? How do I make sure that that's something that I hold near and dear to me and it represents me every time I hop on the airwaves? That same thing. It's like you really have to work on that for so long. So I can definitely feel how that can be a, a really important piece to that even just building. How did you like end up like finding your, because, you know, I, you know, before we came on, like I started going through the Rolodex of your music that you put out in the more recent years. Cause remember the last time I heard your music was years ago. It was yeah. different. And your, your style, your sound, everything has evolved, right? Not so much changed. Like it's evolved. I think it's better. So how did you like get to that point? There was a lot of, I mean, a lot of it came from during that radio era. I did something that was kind of detrimental, but it also allowed me to experiment with a lot but I was going to shows all the time and I was seeing different artists perform all the time. And I kept going to these shows, seeing these artists perform and going home. Like I could do that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, and, or like seeing the audience that came out to that show and think to myself, that's the audience that I want. So I can do that to get that. And I was testing out all of these different things for so long and found out how many of those things weren't for me throughout that process. Like mm. trying to make music like I Am Sue and the HBK gang and Says the Gemini and all of them, that's not for me. Doing like a lot of like the trappier stuff that you would hear during that era where ASAP Mob was really kind of building up and Rocky and Ferg were in their earlier stages of really getting popping. I tried it, didn't work for me. And so I really kind of stepped back into like, I was really a part of this backpack hip hop scene. And at the same time, the way that I know how to present that comes from my knowledge of how to read an audience. It also comes from knowing how to express myself a lot more now and allowing myself to really 
spew out the emotions rather than just trying to go for the sonics. And I think that was an issue for a long time as I was always going for the sound of it and never for the message behind what I was talking about. Mm. And so when I really got to dive into it and uh, learn how to express that through my words and still be kind of cool about it, it was that was where I really locked into it. But it took a long time for me to really feel that out. That's really fucking hard though. Yeah. You know, I think like when you kind of start off in a position where you know, you identify as this like musician's musician, right? Like, cause there's like people who are like the rapper's rapper. A lot mm -hmm. of people don't know them, but every rapper will say that's their favorite fucking rapper. Yeah. Right. And that became the position of like who Kendrick was, right? Kendrick, you know, obviously he had, he has his radio hits, right? But, you know, you have people like somebody, like some of the artists that I found through that fucking Netflix show where they were doing that competition with T.I. Yeah. D Smoke. Like I listen to him and I'm like, he has that great balance of something that's very conscious, very lyrical, but it's a, it's a banger. Everything's a fucking banger. Yeah. And that is like that really fucking hard pocket to find. Yeah. You know? Um, and I think a lot of artists kind of go through that, but it's interesting that when you talk about music, how like I'll, cause you know, for me, like music is it's always a hobby. I've never really been like a hundred percent into it. Right. It was just something I always did for fun. Also because I couldn't talk to women. So it was the only, <laughs> it's the only thing I could do. <laughs> It's the only way I will see titties. So, <laughs> and so, you know, like I was explaining to some of these kids who wanted to do music, right? Mm. And, you know, you were talking about people who would perform. There's a lot of people who go into the the genre of being a vocalist and a musician. Well, guess what? There's some, there's things like auto-tune, Melodyne, and the way that you process these vocals, you can, anybody can sound good nowadays. Yeah. As long as you have the right, like typical, like a decent tone, you can make, you can shift shit around. You don't even really need a decent tone anymore, bro. <laughs> it's it's kind of <laughs> trippy, right? Yeah. And then I'll see some of these artists. I'm not gonna say their names. I'll see them live. And I'm like, holy shit, you can't sing. Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck did I just witness? And it was the worst show I've ever been to. I remember there were plenty of shows where we were actually starting to get scared to go to certain people's shows because we're like, bro, I, I know for a fact that when they perform that song live, they're not going to sing it. They're going to rap it. Yeah. <laughs> I was 100%. like terrified going to a show knowing that the magic was going to be spoiled. And that shit would kill me, man. Because like you hear it, you hear this like refined product and that's why you hear like people who are really good studio artists. Mm. But performance is a, such a different thing, man. Yeah. Like it is a performance yeah. from A to Z. You got to have everything fucking right, man. Yeah. And a lot of the times, like, they're like, oh, this song is good in studio, but I could have taken your voice and anybody's voice that made that shit dope. Yeah. It wasn't you. It was the engineer that made you fucking dope. Yeah. And they had to perform that live. And I'm like, dude, this show is such trash. Like, the performance is bad. Their confidence isn't even there. They're not used to being on stage. Yeah. And I think, like, that that kind of killed, like, concerts for me a little bit where I, I didn't want to see, I wanted to still enjoy the music because I would walk away from this and I didn't want to listen to music anymore. Yeah. And most people like are fucking there's the fuck out. So they don't know what's going on, but I'm there for the music. <laughs> yeah. So, cause I don't do drugs like that. And I'm like, oh shit. Like y'all don't understand how bad this is. <laughs> this shit is fucking terrible. I, I've had like the opposite experience where I saw somebody live first and then the recording was really bad. Oh no. And but like the live performance was great. Oh shit. But the but and that was how I got introduced to them. And then going back to listen to the recorded version, I'm like, bro, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> um, and so the one really good one that I had was 
I had never heard of Chance the Rapper before. Mm -mm. And I got booked to MC, like host the show when he was on tour for Acid Rap, which is the project that pretty much blew him up after 10 Day. Oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so Acid Rap comes out and I have no idea who this dude is. I'm just hosting the show. For one, he oversells the venue. So they wow. they ended up releasing extra tickets that day, knowing that they were risking the fire code. And they sold it out, overpacked it, had the place rocking. And the crowd is so dope that they're fucking with every opener too, which I've never seen at, I that, love at that this shit. point, especially in hip hop. It didn't make sense to me to see that. Chance goes out on stage and puts on one of the dopest performances that I had seen at the time. Super young at this point too. And I go back and listen to his music and I was like, bro, he matches. Like, that's fucking dope. Like I found you at the perfect time. Mm -hmm. And that's how I became a Chance the Rapper fan from that point on. It was like, I got to see how you, for one, interacted with the crowd. I had the rare situation where I got to also see him behind the scenes because I was hosting the show and he was cool with me backstage. And then got to watch him rock the crowd, find out his music is great and get to carry that with me. I was That's like, amazing, I'm a fan man. forever now, bro. That's crazy, man. Like some people too were, you know, I'll see this too where uh, some people will, I'll see them first perform and they'll do like a stripped down performance of their song. And it turns out the stripped down performance is way better. Way than better, <laughs> bro. Because <laughs> I'm like, dude, the production on the original track is trash. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> like it's even, the EQ is fucking terrible. It's mixed terrible. Everything's bad about it. I'm like, hey, maybe you should just do like studio shit because like studio live versions. Because yeah. this is, this is not it, man. Yeah. <laughs> that shit would crush me, dude. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, dude, you, you actually... You need to get a better producer. Yeah. You need to get a better producer, a better fucking engineer. And I think that too is hard too because that shit's expensive. Yeah, bro. Like, I've I've tried like, you know, learning how to like engineer my own. I'm like, I can't do this. This is literally learning another language. This is fucking hard. Like I spent so much money on fucking apps and shit. I'm like, all right, cool. <laughs> I'm about to fucking download this shit. Let's get Ableton. Boom. Open it up. What the fuck is this? <laughs> what is this? Yo, you know what the biggest the biggest cheat code W that ever happened was when Fruity Loops was in its like oh my god Fruity eighth Loops, yeah. or ninth phase. They introduced a plugin called Sound Goodizer, where you literally just flip the button, really mix the whole thing. That's fucking amazing. All right, yeah, thank you. For unfair. That. <laughs> <laughs> that was a trippy thing. Like I I I started like watching all these tutorials. And I would watch the tutorials and it would get me even more confused. And I'm like, yeah, bro. I don't know any of this terminology that you're fucking using right now. And I don't know how to get to this shit. So yeah. like, I would like try to mix my own vocals and it would be like six hours and it came out worse. <laughs> I'm like, how does the vocals sound worse? Like how, what did I do here? Yeah. I did the same thing you just told me and it didn't fucking work. Yeah. And then I would send it to my buddy of mine and then he'll just make, I'm like, okay, well, I don't know what the fuck is happening. <laughs> All right. And like, he just does it so quick because that's what he does for a living. And I just see him and it's like somebody just programming a, some bullshit. It just, everything's flying super fast. Yeah. They have this deck thing going on. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Three monitors, yeah. <laughs> like all kinds of things going on. And I'm just sitting there with my mouth open. I'm like, uh, what are you doing, bro? Like, this is so fast. And I'm just here, click, drag, <laughs> click, drag. Is this right? And then my fucking, my fucking, my, my audio setup's ter terrible too. So when I hear it in the car, I'm like, this is trash. <laughs> I, I respect fucking like audio engineers so much, man. Yeah, bro. They can I, make and break your fucking record. I wanted to do it and I just didn't have the patience, bro. Cause it's not, it's not, and it's not that there's not creativity that goes into it, but I always had, I always enjoyed just like the, 
stacking sounds and doing all of that kind of stuff. But when it came down to doing, it's like doing the math equations that you never wanted to memorize. You have to be a fucking nerd to do that shit. I'm sorry, man. You have to be a fucking, like you could get, get into like zeros and ones or some shit. Yeah. Because it's so fucking meticulous. And like, like my buddy Ray, he does like audio engineering for, for movies and shit. And I just see what he does. I'm like, fucking dweeb. <laughs> <laughs> I love that guy. I was like, but well, he's, he's done all my sketches and shit. So I'm like, look at this nerd. Fucking, <laughs> <laughs> fucking hella good at his shit. And I don't know what the hell is going on. And they can hear things that I can't hear. But yeah. I just know that the end product is good. I just don't know how to get to it. Yeah. I think like, um, like studio recording too, that for a lot of people who just want to get into music, it's so different for them from performing live. Mm. And when you were talking about too, it's like, the emotion behind things. Like when, like people who can't sing, they don't understand how hard that aspect is. It's like, I was explaining to a friend of mine who he wanted to get into singing. Terrible, by the way. We already had this conversation, so we're okay. Because <laughs> he asked me like point blank, right? Yeah. And I have a lot of these conversations with friends. Um, and they talk to me this way too. You know, it's, it's just, we're, we're buddies, yeah. you know? And he goes, hey, I want to try music. And I fucking laughed in his face. I was like, why? Right? He goes like, it's just something I always wanted to do. And I know what you guys are thinking. Oh, you're crushing his dream. I'm not crushing his fucking dreams. All right. That's my friend. Shut the fuck up. I'll say whatever the <laughs> fuck I want to my friends. And I was like, yeah, if you want. He goes like, did you want to do a track together? I was like, listen, I'll fucking kill you. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't you ever disrespect me like that again, dog. I know I'm not a musician anymore, but don't disrespect me like that. He goes, why? I was like, dude, you're tone deaf. But you know this, right? You're fucking tone deaf. And he was like, am I? He was like, dog. If you don't know this shit, I've, I've heard you sing in the car with me for years. And my, you would see blood come out my fucking ears. I'm like, you can't fucking sing. And he goes, okay, well, what about like, you know, if, you know, if an engineer can come, I was like, yeah, probably. But even then those things have a limit and, yeah. and you are beyond that fucking limit. And then uh, another friend of ours who's in the circle, he was chiming in. He was like, well, we kind of wanted to do music together. I was like, oh, you too. <laughs> right. I was like, you, you, you want to do music too. And I'm not saying this from a point of like me being snobby. I've heard these motherfuckers sing. And I was telling him, I was like, you maybe. I was like, because you're not tone deaf. I was like, you, you could probably learn how to sing. And I was like, I've heard you sing like for real, for real. And I was like, he was like, okay, but what can I do differently? And this is the thing that a lot of people don't understand. Like when you record on a fucking mic, I was like, you sing everything exactly the same. Whether it's the first verse, whether it's the bridge, whether mm. it's the chorus, you sing it all the fucking same. How you sing things is very important to how people feel it, right? So I was giving him an example. I was like, I want you to sing something. He's like, I don't want to sing. I was like, just whatever. We're in this room together. Just fucking sing whatever song that you want, right? And it was, um, what the fuck is that Music Soul Child song? Uh, Girl, I know this might seem strange, right? So he mm -hmm. was doing that. And I was like, you sing it. And he sang it for me. I was like, here's your problem. You're singing everything in key, but you're fucking blasting me in the face with your fucking vocals. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. People don't know how to like subdue their voice. They don't know how to control the stuff. They don't understand when to put things in. It's like when people do too many runs. Yeah. They'll start the song. Bro. Ugh. So I'd be going to jams, right? And, uh -huh. I, and I go to see these live jams. And there's one that I go to where the rule is no covers. Mm. And it's like, as soon as they find out that's the rule, they forget what words are. <laughs> 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 so it's just a bunch of runs and ooh ahs the oh. whole time. And it's come to the point where I'm just like, damn, bro, like maybe this ain't for you. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, there's just so, yo, I'm gonna tell you this shit. So, so my boy, he used to date this girl, right? 
There's two fucking funny stories about this. So we have a buddy. He's a, he's a producer for Rockefeller. He legit. And you ever have like somebody that you bring around to like a group of friends that are talented that you regret bringing them around? Yes. <laughs> Bro, trust me. Yes. You know, <laughs> you're like, you have zero self-awareness. So this girl. So this guy is a legit producer, right? And dope guy. And we're sitting around and she sings, right? He casually sings. And then out of nowhere, he was like, oh, I want to come kick it with you guys. Which is like, all right, whatever. When we kick it, we don't really talk about music or our work. We're just, he's like at the studio. That's what he's doing. Mm. So we're going in there drinking, whatever, chilling. And then out of nowhere, this bitch comes out with a USB drive. <laughs> Sush, I'm telling you. This bitch comes out with a USB drive. She's like, I do music. Plug it in. Talk. I thought it was going to be like a song that she worked on. It was literally her just scatting and mumbling on some bullshit where I shit you fucking not. It was just audio out the left left channel. <laughs> so there's just like everything wrong with this. At this point. Everything wrong. <laughs> and then you see this fool just being so polite going like this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, bro, you ain't got to do all that. You ain't got to do all that, man. <laughs> and then afterwards, like my buddy told me like he took his girl out like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> why would you do this to me? But the fu- the funny thing about this is like to her, that's appropriate. And she kind of lives in this delusion. Like, you know what the fuck you just did? It's not like oh, we're not going to be invited. That's our friend. Yeah. But like have some fucking common sense. Why yeah. the fuck would you do that? Yeah. I'll, I'll even show you later on. Like there's a video of her performing and it's just what you were talking about. She goes up on and she sings like an eight minute song, right? And it's like, let me just imitate it for you guys real quick. It literally sounds like a baby learning how to talk for the first time. Eight minutes long, bro. And then towards the end of it, she goes, she goes, she starts running out of things to say. And she goes, yeah, that was a song that I just made up. I don't even know what I just said. No shit. (laughs) No shit. Wasn't a real song. It was eight minutes long. Listen, bro, it's okay to do that at home. Yes. <laughs> this this is how a lot of people write music. That's yes. totally fine. That's not the finished product. You know who I think ruined that? Ryan, Ryan Leslie. Leslie. <laughs> <laughs> he did. He really did, bro. Dude. And in the MySpace era, people thought that song slapped, bro. <laughs> it was like he did this song called Gibberish, and it's like. You don't understand any of the words. And that's what's beautiful about it. I was like, bro, that's that was an extra scratch track, bro. And he put it out. <laughs> You're tripping. That's like, that's so, I've had that conversation with so many people and they said that same shit. <laughs> and I'm trying to explain to them. I was like, in the writing process, that's how all these songs sound. Yeah. That's how all of them, it's literally a scratch track, yep. right? And then afterwards you come back to when you put actual words to it. And they're like, this is next level genius. It is not. <laughs> it is not. It was a demo he didn't sell, bro. Yeah. <laughs> you don't perform that. And they're like, yo, how come nobody liked it? I'm like, because. <laughs> Dude, I, that, that girl was so fucking unique, man. Like I've, where I've really believed that like, I was like, I need a little bit of her delusion. Cause like she doesn't have the talent or anything at all. But look at her. <laughs> look, at her <laughs> yeah. look at her belief in herself. She just performed eight minutes of nonsense. And then she was like, I didn't fucking, you know, I didn't fucking like, uh, that was just something I made. <laughs> as if we didn't know. The audience, as everybody's mouth is like, 
what the fuck is this girl doing? Hey, you know that that feeling that you said you've been having of like that, uh, that feeling of like the imposter syndrome mm-hmm. side of things. I feel like I am that person sometimes. Like I feel like maybe I'm just delusional a little bit. <laughs> and like you said that was tight, but was it really? And it's just everybody in on this joke around me right now. <laughs> Dog, that's like one of the hardest things that we're learning to like move past because like I think people who are good at their shit, and I'm not saying that I am per se, but like we're always going to feel that way. Mm. And now it's just a matter of us not getting in the way of ourselves, right? That's why I want a little bit of that fucking delusion. I want some of that shit because they don't know that they're fucking flaming garbage. They're stinking up the whole fucking room, (laughs) right? But they don't know. And they're mad at everybody else for not loving their shit. But some of the most talented people that I know don't have any bit of that. And they just sit and they wait for things to happen. I think that's scary for me. Like when I see you, I'm like, when's the next big thing that he's going to do? Because I think for you as an artist wise, like you, you actually have like the whole package, right? Because I think like your angle is right. The way that you look, your style, your vibe, your voice, everything that you do is just fucking right. And it's kind of crazy to see like, how old are you now? I'm 32 now. You're 32, right? So what you're, you're two years younger than me. So when I saw you at the time, like you were that, that backpacker mental step of like, let's sell a rap. Right. And you're just kind of trying to find your voice. Well, you never stayed there. You've kind of, You've evolved every little bit of the way, which a lot of people actually don't do. I've seen a lot of people that were in that same scene with us and they're still that person that they started at and it kills me and they're bitter. They're like, people don't know what real rap is. They don't know my shit is tight. No, your shit was dope, but you didn't fucking evolve. Times change. I see that with a lot of YouTubers where they kind of get in their fucking head. They're like, oh, I don't get as much views as I used to. I get like, you know, a thousand views here and there. And I'm like, well, you didn't evolve. Yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? You got to change. Like Kanye's crazy, but you know, every album was different from his last one. Yeah. That's, there's a reason why, like how many fucking platinum hits he's fucking made over the years, over multiple fucking albums. Yeah. And before he went crazy, I could recite all his fucking lyrics to every fucking track. dude. Yeah. So like that evolution part is important. I think you've done that really fucking well. I appreciate that. So now for you, it's like, you know, what's that next step for you? Yeah. Right now, it's really kind of focusing on, for one, I actually have a lot of music in the pro, in the works right now. Let's go. Um, and the thing that I realized that I have to do when I get into this pocket, because I've done this once before where I had to kind of like start over. And it maybe is like a checkpoint for me when I have this moment. And it's possibly where that evolution comes from. But I, for me to start writing lyrically i have to start producing again first because that's how Mm. i started making music was i was a marching band kid that fell into learning how to use fruity loops and then started making music in that format so now that i've progressed in some of those ideas there's a lot of ideas that i need to get out and so i start rebuilding my creative process through producing and making the sonics and then after i have a bunch of those done, I can start writing stuff. But more recently, I've been finding myself really inspired to write again and get a lot of the the words out. And so it's now just a matter of, I have so many different outlets I can use to promote that. And I have to be able to put all that together. Yeah, man. I think that's really dope, man. Like reinvesting into yourself and kind of the stuff that kind of got you started into it, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I don't even know how the fuck y'all produce. Producing is fucking hard shit too. <laughs> 
when I'm like in this room and I just have my buddy, like he's like producing shit. For, I'm like, the fuck? Hey, bro, I just be stacking sounds. That's it. <laughs> That's why I told you, I don't mix nothing. I'm yeah. terrible at it. Like, hey, this sounds dope. Mix it for me, though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> make sure this sounds better. And and even just like in the way I make, like produce stuff, when I am making the beat, I don't like create this full soundscape from the jump. Mm. Like I don't create it all formatted where like the hook is here, the verse is here, and the bridge is here. It's one big ass stack of stuff and then I gradually start sliding stuff over into their own spots. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking crazy, dude. <laughs> I mean, you have like your own method to your madness, right? Yeah. And like, I think that's like the hardest thing for me because like one of the, I, like I have a bucket list thing, right? And I just want to do like a small little EP, right? But then like, I'm stuck at the part where I don't know my sound because I haven't done music in so long. So I'll be in these like studio sessions and they're like, what's your sound? I'm like, all right, I'll see you guys tomorrow. Because <laughs> <laughs> it has to start there. Yeah, You got to know like your identity as a musician and it's so fucking hard, Yeah, right? And I think like, you know, kind of wrapping back to what we were talking about before, it's like having to be like a consumer first, right? And I think it's hard for sometimes like people almost don't want to be fans anymore. Yeah, Like they're almost too cool to be a fan which is terrible because you have to consume the art first to even like figure out what the fuck you want to do. Yeah. And like, I never want to be that type of person where I'm just like too cool for school. Yeah. I have always believed in the being a student of the game always. Um, and I remember going to shows where it would be the same promoter that I would host for. And I would be in the audience and they'd be like, why are you down there? And I was like, cause I want to be bro. Like, <laughs> yeah. I want to see this the way that somebody is consuming it. I don't need to see it from up there today. I'm down mm. to see it from right here. So I know what the product looks like from the outside because I already have seen the process and I've grown to love that process. Now I want to know what it's like to consume it. Yeah. And that was a very important piece to me was being the fan and being the student from that side of it. It's so important to be a fan of that shit. Man. Yeah. Like sometimes it bit me in the ass where I've told the story before where uh, I went to, <laughs> I, 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 used to do these like talent shows where I would like, you know, judge. And there was this kid who um, did this performance of Lady Gaga's uh, fucking ooh la la la, whatever, whatnot, right? And this kid did like the funniest performance ever. And I thought, yo, this, this he's a funny ass comic. Like he was doing like this <laughs> Lady Gaga song in a thick Chinese accent. And I was crying, laughing, gave this for all tens. And I looked at my other judges and they gave him a zero. And I'm like, dude, that guy's fucking bit was hilarious. They're like, he wasn't doing comedy. He was serious. And you laughed throughout his whole set. I was mortified, dude. I legit was dying so hard. I was grabbing people around me, crying, laughing. I thought he was doing a comedy bit. And this motherfucker. Like I, said, I take everything I said back. This is how you get canceled, bro. Yeah, this is how I get. I cried laughing. I was howling laughing, dude. I gave him a 10. And I was, afterwards, I was so fucking embarrassed. But let me tell you how delusional this kid was. He came up to me after. He was like, David, let me tell you something. <laughs> he goes, what I want to do is I want to quit college and I want to pursue music 100%. And I literally looked at him. I was like, no, you will not. I was like, you need to finish up college first and then do music after. Because it's you know I didn't tell him it wasn't going to happen. But yeah. I was like, please finish up college first. He was like, maybe we should do a collaboration together. And then I stabbed him because I was so offended. The audacity. He was like, we need to do music together. You and I, we're Asian brother. And I was like, I'll fucking kill you, dude. I'll, I'll legit kill you, man. Like, get the <laughs> fuck out of my face. Bro, so how did you end up making the transition from music to comedy? 
Which one came first? Because I, I met you in musician David So Sexy, by the way. Yeah. Because you're still saved in my phone that way. <laughs> That's so funny, man. <laughs> I, I did music at first. Uh, for It was first. And then uh, actually it wasn't that. I did comedy first, but I was doing music because like I said, it was like the only way I could talk to women. Mm. I shit you fucking not the most shallow reason ever, right? It's like why people learn how to fucking dance. I think you told us that then. Yeah. yeah. It was the only thing I would do and it would work. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it started there and then I was like, okay, maybe I could kind of do this. Because I was listening to people like Gabe Bunduck and Jeremy Passion. Yeah. Right. Which is so weird because I have conversations with them now. I'm talking to them on the phone like it's yeah. peers, which is odd to me. I was like, dude, you guys, I lost my virginity because of you two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they're such wholesome creatures. When I say this shit, it throws them off. I'm like, oh, I'm a piece of shit, guys. Just to let you know, like, I got pussy because you guys. So I I dove into the devil's taco. <laughs> so you guys brought me astray. So they, um, I started doing music. And then, so there was a moment, my buddy Vince, um, I'm not sure if you got to meet him, uh, Vince Horiuchi, B-Boy Vince Oh, dude. Yes, of course. So you know Vince, right? He used to yeah. throw these jams and shit. All yeah. sort of stuff. We used to do a lot of the a lot of shows together because I was at the same dance studio that he was at at Capital Roots. Well, that's fucking amazing. Small yeah. fucking world. So Vince is like, so Vince years ago, you know, my YouTube stuff, he was shooting on my videos. Like, you know, so we're like tight, tight. You know what I mean? Like he's yeah. like uh like one of my closest friends now. So like we uh he had a show and it was like a show where I was supposed to do music. And then I was going through this like period where I, I just didn't know what the fuck I wanted to be, right? And I was like, I got to make a choice. And at this point, I, I had a music channel on YouTube called uh, Acoustic Soul. And that actually at the time for when it was open, when I had it before, I, del I actually deleted it. It, w it had 100K subscribers. So at the time when you had 100K subscribers when YouTube started, that was like having like 3 million followers. Yeah. I deleted that channel because I was like, it's time for you to make a choice. Are you a musician or are you a comedian? Because you can't do two things. You can't spread yourself so fucking thin. And that's what I was doing. So that same day that I went up on stage, before um, I had my guitar and I looked at Vince, I was like, hey, I'm going to do stand-up. <laughs> and he was like, what? I was like, yep. And I walked up on stage and I freestyled like a 30-minute set. Just did it. And I killed. I, I was terrible, but for some reason it fucking killed. I don't know why. I went off stage and I was like, I'm a comic. I'm not a musician. Like, this is what I do. Even when I would do music, I would make jokes. I'm like, I'm a fucking comic. That same day, I deleted that YouTube channel. <laughs> 100K subscribe. And I said, delete. And I wow. got rid of it. And I started up and I went back to the comedy channel, which was the Dave So Comedy channel. Yeah. And that birthed that instead. And I, and I took a bet on myself. I was like, if you want to do this, you got to stop spreading yourself so thin. Within that same year, I dropped out of college. I did everything. I dropped out of college. I said, this is what I'm going to pursue. And I, and I decided to do comedy instead. And then now I'm here. I remember that when you made the move, it was a really exciting thing. And at the same time, it was like you, it was me, you, and Stevie Nader always ended oh, up Stevie on like Nader. the same, yeah. same lineups. It was like they related us somehow. Dude, Stevie Nader is one of those other people. Like he was, he's a shit. Yeah. He's so fucking good. Yeah. He's still got some undercover stuff that he's been working this on. This motherfucker, dude. Like I, like I was, th there's th literally you two were the ones I'm like, just move to LA with me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just somebody move here with me. So it's not so fucking scary. Yeah. What are you motherfuckers? And then you came only two years ago. Like you fuck, you took so long. <laughs> It was lonely out here, bro. Like, I was broke as shit, you know? And I was like, I remember I was like trying to convince Stevie. I was like, bro, you got to come out to LA. Like, yeah. This is where it's at. Not because Sacramento has nothing to offer. 
it's just like this area is so competitive. It makes you work harder. Yeah. Like you can be the biggest fish in a small pond. Fine. If you're okay with that. Yeah. But imagine what you can do when you're with other people who are just as good as you are. Maybe even better. You have to better yourself. Yeah. And that's why you got to go into the like shark infested waters. You have to test your fucking grit. Yeah. And so that's what LA did for me. I'm like, oh, I might be funny out here. I might be talented on my music here and there, but let me come out here. And I found out, yo, I'm not that funny. Mm. There's real stand-up comics out here. Like they're fucking funny. Like they're working on their craft day to day. There's yeah. better content creators. And I've never been that person <clears throat> where even if I didn't, this is what I don't, I think people are starting to get now, but back in the day, people used to think I was a fucking hater because they would be like, show me a YouTube content creator, right? And like, do you think this guy's funny? I'm like, no. And they're like, why are you being a hater? I was like, I didn't say I hate him. I didn't say he's not making dope shit. You asked me if I found it funny. And I'm like, I like the content. I don't think it's funny. You yeah. know what I mean? But I would use them as like inspiration. Like I, like Ryan Higa at the time, I didn't find any of his shit fucking funny. I thought that shit was corny as hell. And But he was my favorite content creator though. And people didn't understand what I was saying. Yeah, They're like, how can he be your favorite content creator, but you don't find him funny? I was like, because- He's so fucking creative. He's just not the way I want to be creative, mm. you know? So <clears throat> people didn't understand that. So they were like, oh, you don't like Ryan? I was like, oh, God, I don't know how many times I can't explain this to you. Like there's fucking artists now who I don't really like their music, but I fuck with them heavy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so like coming out to coming out here was great to be around content creators like that because it made me work that much harder. Yeah. If I didn't have that, I wouldn't have worked hard. If I wasn't in that fucking small little apartment that my cousin brought me into, where I sold everything that I had. I had this Walmart desk, this box spring bed, and I just stayed in the room writing vlogs all day. I wouldn't have done that back at home. I would have tried to marry the girl that I loved. I would have probably ended up with her. I would have given up all that shit. I worked a nine to five. Yeah. But coming out here makes you into a different person, not just here, but somewhere where you're uncomfortable. It really shows you what you're about. Yeah. That was a, that was a big thing in <clears throat> my move out here too, is I mean, I was in Sacramento for literally 30 years, my entire <laughs> life, you know? So I, a, a lot of the connections that I was making and getting myself into higher places, they came with a lot of baggage and a lot of like, it's really easy to get to know people when you've been there for 30 years. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And so building those connections and networking isn't the same when you step into a new space like this. And I knew that I needed to really test myself in, for one, how I communicate with people in how I meet people, how I represent myself and how I build my own legacy at this point. And so as I was doing that, when I moved here, I found myself kind of in that same position of just like, you did really well as a big fish in a small pond. And that was something that was, that was the common thing that everybody always said. It was like, it's really big for you to be the big fish moving to a bigger tank now. Like mm -hmm. you're finally going to be somewhere where there's so many people doing what you do that that also means that there's opportunity for you to do it everywhere as well mm -hmm. because there's so many different places that need what you do. So whether there's somebody that's already doing it or not, there's a need for you because somebody's looking for you somewhere. A hundred percent, man. And that's true, man. That's why I'm really glad that you're fucking here because you're super fucking young. And at this point too in your life, like you're going to need this type of challenge. Yeah. You're going to need to feel those moments where you don't feel adequate. And it's just either that's going to make or fucking break you. And I've yeah. seen a lot of people from Sacramento come here and move back. And it's understandable. It's hard out here, man. It's fucking difficult. Yeah. But it seems like you have like the right people around you that kind of uplift you and kind of feed into your artistry. And that's what you really, really fucking need, man. Yeah. Because at a certain point, when you reach a certain level, sometimes like 
things stop being collaborative and people start trying to look for you for like a shoulder to cry on all the time, but then you don't have that anymore. Yeah. It's like, well, where's my support? You know, like you guys are looking to me to to bring you guys up, but I need you to lift me up too, you yeah. know? And I think that, you know, I sometimes get a little envious of people who are like in that new stage because this is like for you, this is going to be the most fun that you'll have a lot. The come up is the best. Yeah. And people don't understand that. Like, that's why people always say it's always lonely at the top. The come up is the best. The moments where I was struggling is the parts that I remember and love the fucking most because all these small little victories that I had, it stuck with me. It was mm. like, I remember the very first day I signed that YouTube contract where it said that I was going to get paid money for, for making content that I was making for free for a year. It yeah. was like, oh shit, I'm going to get paid for this? And I remember how happy I was. And I'm like, that's what I want to feel. And these are the feelings that I'm trying to chase now, even in my artistry now. It's like, not so much signing a new deal or whatever, but kind of loving what I'm doing to the point where when I do accomplish something, it makes me feel really good. Yeah. And then you're in that stage right now where you literally just moved here. It hasn't been that long. And technically, you moved here during pandemic. You haven't moved here yet. Yeah, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I've been saying that it's a blessing and a curse, yeah. bro. I told people that was kind of the, the beautiful thing about it was, so we moved in November of 2020, which was from what I remember, it's right when the second lockdown happened. It was like when everything started spiking again. So as soon as we got here, locked right back <laughs> down. And so it was a blessing because that meant that I didn't go out into the real world to go network and and go get to know or get a lay of the land and then come back and still have to unpack. Yeah. I got there, couldn't go anywhere. So I unpacked everything, got everything situated. So by the time things opened back up, my space was a refuge. Like it was my space to really go mm. home and find some peace after whatever the day brought, whether that be good or bad. Yeah. And so it was, it was a blessing in that sense, but it was a curse because then when I got here and things did reopen from the DJ standpoint of me wanting to get out there and get gigs, literally every venue was on the, oh, we got to get our homies back on first because everybody's been out of work mm -hmm. for two years. Mm -hmm. We're not going to let the new guy on today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that lasted like a good six months even after everything reopened. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it brought me that next level of like, all right, so how do you make yourself stand out without coming off like the really desperate asshole and it allowed me to like really make genuine connections with people that led to great opportunities that led us to now sharing space together and being able to do that with each other. That's why I really kind of, you know, for me, um, I always wanted to be the person that like had something to bring to the table, mm -hmm. right? I hate asking for handouts. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because of the way that I was brought up, but like people didn't even know this. Like I remember... Uh, so one of my really close friends, her name is Gio and you know, she's just kidding films and she's married to my, one of my closest friends, Bart. Gio remembers this conversation that she had with me where she thought I was a fucking asshole because she was like, Hey, we want you to be in this skit with, with us. And I said, no. And the reason why, and she didn't know this at the time, but the reason why I told her no, wasn't because I thought I was better or I didn't want to do any sketches or film with them. It's like, I haven't put my foundation down yet to the point where if I work with you, I don't want anybody to ever say, I knew you because of these people. Mm. I want to offer something to you guys. So I told her later on, I was like, it was because I hadn't hit that point yet. I was like, once I hit a half a million subscribers, then I'll know I have something to offer you. Yeah, I don't ever want to take something from you and use you as like a come up, right? Which was my pride at the time, which I don't think like most people should do, but just, just how my personality is, yeah. right? 
And so after that, we started working together, right? Because I just had so much, I, don't, I think it's sometimes stupid pride, but I had to offer something, Yeah. right? And I think like for all the hard work that I put in for coming into the city, leaving everything behind, having fucking $200 in my bank account, I couldn't go back to being like, oh, this guy came up because of this person. It's like, right. what about my fucking hard work, <laughs> you know? And I just, I couldn't live with that. And it, it did work out that way where yeah. it's like, they're like, oh, this is a collaboration between David So and Just Kidding Films. It wasn't, oh, this this guy, David So is a is a, a cast member of JK Films. And that started happening when I, would, I got too comfortable with doing Just Kidding News. Mm. I became a cast member. It wasn't, oh, David So would come on to Just Kidding News and we he was a part of it. It was, oh no, he's a cast member. And that shit started to make me feel like, oh, I fucked up again. I went back to that person before where I was just leaning on somebody else's strength instead yeah. of working on myself, you know? Hey man, that was a dope podcast, dude. I forgot how long this went on, but um, <laughs> hey, shout all your shit out. That's what you're here for. Um, so I am on all social media at Hellasoosh. That's H-E-L-L-A-S-O-O-S-H. Also Hellasoosh.com, um, which is currently being updated with full portfolio of all the things I've been doing, including graphic design, video work, and things like that. So you can kind of see the storyline of how things have kind of gone down over this time frame and the things that I've learned. Um, it's really just become a portfolio for my whole knowledge gaining throughout the past two years, really. Um, and uh, that's really where you can find me anywhere. The streams are coming back very, very soon. I can promise you that. The single patience with the video is out now. Shout out to the homie Ethan Jovez. We did a full day of just random video shooting and it came out incredible. With that's a dope. Really cool story behind it. So. Cool. Well, you could catch him on all of his stuff. I'm going I'm to link it all into the video and stuff like that. You guys are going to hear his music throughout this whole video anyways. Um, check him out on all platforms. Genius Brains every Sundays at 12 p.m. And we'll see you all next time. Genius Brain listeners, this podcast is brought to you by Hero Bread. Listen, I've talked about Hero Bread a million times over. And I'm telling you right now, they have some of the best best guilt-free bread I've ever had in my life. And I'm not just saying that. I'm talking about taste and texture-wise. You, you just can't beat it. Hero Bread has zero to one grams of net carbs, zero grams sugar, and is high in fiber. And guess what? Now it's made with heart-healthy olive oil for an added boost of healthy fats as well. I'm telling you right now, I made a BLT with this and it was freaking delicious. If I if I eat bread, this is the bread that I'm eating. You guys have to get this. I'm not just saying it. it's so freaking good. You could do whatever you want with this type of stuff. I mean, they even have burger breads, right? So if you want to make a, a fire ass burger, they got like tortillas too for their if you if you eat breakfast burritos as much as I do, dude, money. It's so freaking good. It's hard to say which one my favorite stuff is, just because like if I'm going to make a wrap or I'm going to do any type of sandwich of any sort, I'm going to use Hero Bread because I get to eat without all the guilt and it's literally my favorite. So genius brain listeners, do not miss out on this. Make sure you get Hero Bread. You will not regret it. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order for their new recipe. Go to hero.co and use code genius10 at checkout. That's G-E-N-I-U-S-1-0 at hero.co. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find 
people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 